Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's episode is brought to you by StodzyMedia.com. We are a premier digital marketing agency. Everything that we do is predicated around the idea of making an impact. That means our marketing campaigns are designed to have an impact on you as the business, are designed to have an impact on your audience to actually provide value in their lives. We're not going to sell you a bunch of fluff and a bunch of, quote, hot marketing tactics that are here today, gone tomorrow. We believe in the fundamentals. We believe in real, real marketing, and we believe in providing results that we can stand behind. If you want a free web audit, a free SEO audit, feel free to check out the contact form on the website. If you're looking to learn uh, about marketing, you can check out the blog. I write where I record videos and I write blog articles to kind of help you along your way if you want to take a shot at this yourself. More than happy to help in any way I can. Once again, that's stodzymedia.com, S-T-O-D-Z-Y media.com. My guest today is Brandon Novak. This was a fascinating conversation for me. Brandon Novak is a former professional skateboarder. Uh, he was he turned pro at the age of 16. He's extremely decorated in his skating credentials. He's also one of the stars of the box office hit Jackass movies. He came on the show to talk about his, his new found recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. He spoke really, really openly and candidly about some of the crazy experiences that he's had. Uh, some of his stories were you know, shocking even to me. And I have a lot of experience in, in some of the stuff that he was talking about. And I, I've seen a lot of things. And let me just tell you, uh, Brandon has has really seen a lot. And he's really learned a lot. He was an extremely articulate and well-spoken man. I found him to be fascinating. And I really, really enjoyed talking to him. So please help me welcome Brandon Novak. Hopefully you gave Tim the most uncomfortable fucking chair in the joint. God willing. He says that it's comfortable, but it's ridiculous. All right, man. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I I really, really appreciate it. I, uh, um, I've been doing podcasts for a little bit and, uh, I've been trying my best to do a little bit of research and I found that uh, Bucky Lassick was like a, a big mentor of yours. Yeah, and I have his name like, tattooed somewhere around here. <laughs> they get somewhere. lost, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Bucky Lassick was a uh, kind of like an idol of mine growing up as as a skater, and the whole Tony Hawk and Birdhouse crew uh, was like a a big inspiration for me. So I thought maybe we would just kind of start off with like a, a commonality with with skateboarding. I know what skateboarding meant to me growing up and like how much peace I found just hitting the pavement every day and, mm-hmm. and just skating under the lights. What, what was that like for you as, as a kid in, in your life? You know, up? for me, skateboarding did for me then 
what drugs and alcohol did for me later. What it turned into. Yeah, me too. Like you could put me in, in a room with the prettiest women, mm -hmm. people that I was not in their bracket or caliber of. Um, and as long as I had my skateboard, I felt like I belonged and I did not care who looked at me or what they thought of me. I understand completely. Well, even just having it in my hand. Yeah. Like I felt like I could just go places and I, I knew who I was better. Yeah. It was a form of identity. It was it was my sense of belonging. It was my sense mm -hmm. of of living. It was it was my calling, you know, and mm -hmm. you, but it, my stories my story but at the age of seven when i got my first skateboard my mother put me to bed that night and she said brandon what do you want me to do with the skateboard i said i want it in bed with me she said why i said because if i die i want it to go with me you know because i knew at that very moment that very day i got that skateboard that i was going to be a professional skateboarder mm. no no like plan b trait or option that was it you know much like the the skill I possessed then, which carried over to addiction later, sure. despite any and all adverse consequences that came my way, I did what I had to do to get what I wanted to get. And at 16, I became a professional skateboarder. <laughs> you know, you, you touched on something there, which I think is, um, which I always find very fascinating. And it's kind of this concept of like obsession, right? In a weird way, being like really obsessed with things has kind of worked for me like uh -huh. as a positive in my life but also when it comes to addiction like it's it, it was really turned into like a negative you know yeah. uh it sounds like what you're saying is you made up your mind that you were going to be a pro skater and that you were going to do it like no matter what it took at all costs. and that was just what what was going to happen yes like would you say that that's a fair assumption of your personality yeah yeah and and doing the work that i've done on myself what i realize now is that you know you hear it all the time i'm not religious but i'm very spiritual and my mm -hmm. whole deal is spirituality and i believe god is everything mm -hmm. i believe god is heroin i believe god is alcohol i believe god is skateboarding mm -hmm. I, I believe it, it you know, it's these hallmark cliche sayings, but like, if I didn't go what I went through, I would not be who I am be today, which today. is a child of God. Sure. And I'm very good to his children, which are my brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. you, know? you seem like uh, this way of life, even just the the few minutes that I've gotten to know you. Yeah. Uh, it seems like you really, really believe in the stuff that you're saying, like it's had a, the recovery and your connection and your spirituality is like a real part of your personality now. It is, you know, because I, I was beaten so fucking bad. Yeah. I was demoralized in just such a fashion from drugs and alcohol, beaten into a state of reasonableness to like, you know, in my story, I was the alcoholic that wanted to kill himself, but I didn't want to hurt myself in the process. Sure. I was horrible with suicide because I kept waking up. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, the only thing I never did to get another bag was homicide. And it's not because uh, I don't believe in that, which I don't, but like, the opportunity just never presented itself. Yeah, so what I'm trying to, to do. yeah, what I'm trying to say is like I, I've been to the depths of hell. Sure. So like I know for me, at the end of my run, my mother had exhausted all opportunities, options, and resources. She had sold three homes to financially pay for me to go to treatment. Um, she had nothing left to give, and she went to God with one prayer, and that prayer consisted of God, please cure him, kill him, or kill me because I can't take it anymore. Wow. So having gone through that, like. And I've tried everything to get yeah. sober. You, and I'm a really creative fella. I think outside of the box 24-7. I don't really conform to the, to the quote-unquote normal. I got that vibe about you. Um, that that <laughs> I tried everything to get sober, whether it was to move, moving to Finland, moving to Paris, moving to London, moving all throughout the country, changing women, changing careers, changing homes. You name it, I've tried it. Well, you know, the maintenance of this, the that. And uh, 
And, and what I realized is like, I am not powerful enough to lift my obsession or rid me of the desire to want to drink or drug. And you're mm -hmm. looking at a guy who shot heroin and cocaine for 21 years, drank, drugged, smoked, sniffed, ate for 25. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing, I can't think of a, a way right now as I sit in this chair talking to you of how I could have one glass of wine and it would turn out different because I fucking tried it all. You know, this was the last house on the block and I didn't even want to come here when I got here. <laughs> I just had no other options. Yeah. I was beaten fucking reasonable <laughs> you know what really strikes me when you say this and this is kind of like a, a testament to a lot of people that i know in recovery when you say that 20 20 something years you were yeah. using actively and you stand in front of me yeah i'm sorry that thing's not like cool your face but no um you look like a really healthy guy and your your eyes are bright and you seem like you you have a good understanding as like who you are and what you're talking about i find it really incredible um, aside from like the first couple weeks or months when like you're coming off of it, you know, like how quickly your body and your spirit and like your sense of purpose can kind of rebound once the, the madness is just like removed from your life. Yeah. I've seen that happen a lot. And I, I always find like real hope in that with, uh, see people come in. I mean, when I came in, I was, I'm skinny enough as it is. And I was like 20 pounds underweight, you know, I sure. was it was a rough shape. We we're all in rough shape, and I didn't get here because life was great, yeah, you know? <laughs> or I had too much money, or this or that. Yeah, but but you look like you look really healthy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm 38 years old now. Um, now I, I I go to the gym. I jog three miles every morning. I I, I do so, all uh, this cardio. I I make a, a conscious effort to eat better. I don't eat great. That's but, really important, though. You know, eating, it is, is because really I, when I went to treatment this last time. I was beaten so, I hate to keep saying that, I was beaten so bad that I was willing to do the, I had that gift of desperation, that God moment, G-O-D, gift of desperation, I had that, right? Mm -hmm. And with that came a side of willingness unlike anything I've ever experienced. And I remember them telling me every other time, if you eat better, you'll feel better. Mm -hmm. And I was willing to do whatever it took because I was so bad off that, in treatment, in detox, I did something that's kind of unheard of. I cut out sweets. I cut out sodas. In detox, where my, my receptors are craving that shit. Sure. I, I cut it all out because, like, the willingness was there, and I just didn't want to feel like I felt. And lo and behold, they weren't lying to me. I started feeling better. Yeah. Just by eating better, you know? And that just kind of snowball effect it. You've, you've mentioned a few times, like, that moment, what it took. What? I don't know if you can recall because what I recall there was a few moments, but off the yeah. top of your head, like, do you remember it when like you actually said to yourself that this was enough, or do you think it was like a, a commutative thing? There was a, a collective chain of events that had taken yeah, place to land me there, but yeah. but the one major one for me, and I'll never forget it. Uh, I'm 38 years old. I'm living back in my mother's house. Former professional skateboarder, first skateboarder ever to be endorsed by Gatorade, flying out to Chicago, hanging out with Michael Jordan, designing my pro model for Powell Peralta, been in those movies Jackass, which broke box office records several times over, uh, New York Times selling author, millionaire a few times over by the age of 23, 24. At the age of 35, right, uh, a fairly successful individual had did things in life that people equate to success or happiness and some even dream of doing. Um, at the age of 35, I'm back at my mother's house. Um, I just got off life support for seven days. People have taken life insurance policies out on me. Uh, my mother bought me a plot. And uh, 
and my worldly possessions, all that I own, despite all of that successful shit that I had done in my life, at 35 years old, I'm held up at my mother's house. My worldly possessions consist of eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, one stick of deodorant that fits into a bag that doubles as my pillow. And I leave the house once a day to go buy $180 worth of heroin and cocaine. Wow. And uh, I went back there because it was around the time when the police killed that young black man, Freddie Gray, in Baltimore City. Mm -hmm. My mother lives about 12 blocks from where that event transpired. And she called me and she was terrified. She said, Brandon, can you come take care of me? They were burning blocks down, burning, uh, you know, you name it. They were doing looting, robbing, stealing, burning blocks down, burning police cars down. It was like the movie The Purge. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a 10 o'clock curfew. Everyone was off the streets. The National Guard was on each corner with their machine guns and their tanks. And she said, can you come take care of me? My intentions were to take care of that woman. That is nothing I wouldn't do for her. My actions dictated. I went down. I went up in this bedroom. And I would leave once a day from that bedroom. Every morning, I'd wake up at 4.30 on the dot because that's when my disease told me to, get, I up. Told you to get up. Yeah, I don't know I why. Yeah. And and uh, and I would sneak down the stairs. I would step on each stair real quietly because I knew if I stepped in the wrong place and it made a Crazy, noise and right? she woke up and said, Brandon, can you make me something? To eat? I fucking can't, Mom. Yeah. It's not personal. It's business. Mm -hmm. And I would get down to the bottom of the stairs and I would army crawl because she had now taken to sleeping on the couch because she was so in fear that I was going to burn her house down smoking. Mm -hmm. I would army crawl over to her purse. One hand would grab the purse. The other hand would grab the bell that she attached to her purse. And I would move it to me really close. Because God forbid that bell made a noise. And she said, Brandon, what are you doing? Don't fucking ask me. Don't. And I would get that purse. steal $180. And I would go buy the dope and the coke. I would come back to that house. I literally couldn't load the needle up with another drop of water because the plunger would come out. And prior to this, it was great. Because what would happen is I would do a shot of heroin and cocaine and that delusional effect produced upon each shot, which would allow me to escape the reality for which I had created my, for myself, mm -hmm. would set in. So I was okay with being homeless. I was okay with selling my body to men on the corner. You name it, I was okay. Put that shot at me, I escaped the reality that I create and it's cool. Sure. <laughs> but what do I do at 35 years old? I've given everything to that $10 substance. It no longer answers my call. Mm -hmm. I've given everything to it. I can't load the needle up anymore. I can't shoot up any more dope and coke. That delusional effect is no longer being reproduced, which means I can't escape the reality that I've created for myself. And start. I'm not happy with this. Yeah. It stopped working. It fuck. Yeah. I get chills thinking about it. So do I. And I've been, I'm pretty young and I've been sober for a little while, enough to where. You know, I don't have drug dreams really yeah. anymore. Mm -hmm. um, what's it like for you, for somebody that's in like a relatively public domain to be able to talk about these things that are like so personal and, uh, you know, relatively graphic and not something that people necessarily talk about on the dinner table, however, is very, very much a part of reality for like millions and millions of people. Like the stuff that you're saying is, is happening everywhere all yeah. the time, but there's still, I don't like the word stigma, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of gets thrown around a lot, but there's still like an apprehension to acknowledge the fact that this kind of stuff happens. Sure. W what is it like for you to talk about that? Dude, for me, it's so, so easy because my life is, is literally an open book, like yeah. literally for real. You could buy it. You can, you know, I was, 
on the Howard Stern show, and I talked about how I tried to bang my mother out one time through because I was coming off a of Xanax withdrawal, and she had to lock me in a bedroom, and I woke up, and I thought it was just some random woman. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I, there is no secrets open, in bro. my closet. <laughs> like, there's nothing off the table. So I hear people talking about, oh, my God, the four steps terrifying. I'm like, fuck, read my book. You can hear all of it, and I'll tell you anything else you want to know. Yeah. Like, the pain of being not honest, secretive, ultimately shooting dope again far exceeds like whoa what will you think of me mm -hmm. <laughs> dude because my situation is serious right I, I suffer a fatal disease right left untreated if i'm diagnosed as an addict or an alcoholic which i've been diagnosed a million times over by a million different fucking entities yeah, i'm diagnosed with that disease that disease left untreated equals death right and i have a healthy fear of it because i've seen it i've experienced it i've died so many times it's it's insane um and and, and uh like it's it's cool man because what i know is my fatal disease is the only disease that tells me i don't have a disease on a daily basis so follow me you diagnose me with hiv i'm rushing to the hospital to get medication i don't want to die fatal disease mm -hmm. diagnose me with cancer i'm rushing to the hospital to get chemo i don't want to die fatal mm -hmm. disease Diagnose me as an addict or an alcoholic. I need a glass of wine or a bag of heroin to figure out what the fuck's wrong with you for diagnosing me with said disease. Yeah. Just as fatal as the first two diseases, but left to my own devices. Talk about the sub talks. Left to my own devices, meaning Brandon attends Brandon's Anonymous, Brandon sponsors Brandon, and Brandon's Brandon's God. Mm -hmm. I will get up from this interview and go right to the pub and have a glass of wine because I'm convinced that I don't have a disease and it will play out different now because I'm employable. Uh, I have a mm -hmm. schedule. I have some money. I have sure. things. I have insurance, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's cool, you know, but I suffer from a disease that's called alcoholism, not alcoholism, and I can't stay sober on yesterday's sobriety. Uh -huh. I have a few simple things I do along the way each day to maintain my sobriety. What are those things? They told me in treatment, stick to the basics, kids, so well, God willing, you have to I go asked, back. So I'm mine are very simplistic. Yeah, I, I wake up, <clears throat> I make my bed immediately. So do I. That's the first, thing, the first I thing I do. do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I get on my knees and I pray. And then uh, I get in the shower, I get ready, and then I meditate for 10 minutes. I'm not like one of those five-hour right out of the gate meditators. Yeah, and this isn't – the meditation is not every day, but just when I can. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and then I have a cup of tea, and uh, I kind of process things, and I just go. You know, but I've also learned, like, when I want to make my God laugh, I tell him how my day is going to go. So, like, I don't – you know, I just I, – you know, it's all okay. It's cool because mm -hmm. I'm not shooting dope or drinking. Is there – is there anything about it that do you ever is it was it all just a bad time when i look back uh, on it there was a lot of really really great memories that i have and i think it's important for people to like acknowledge that because i wouldn't have done it if like it wasn't doing something for me right um where do you think is like that line that eventually just got crossed to where it wasn't really just fun and games anymore it turned into a real problem Dude, I've had some phenomenal times. Mm -hmm. I, I did things in active addiction that people would dream of doing, you know, literally, um, with the people, with the places, with the things. I'm not going to get into names, places, or events, but, yeah. like, I have did some stuff, man, and, uh, and party with, like, house or whatever. Um, but for me, what happens is I got to this point. Where I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic, right? And uh, enough, I'm, right? I'm not part of that 10%. They can, that, that I mean, that, that 90% out there, they can drink with immunity. You know, mm -hmm. I, I can't do that. And, and what happened was 
but I'm such a, I have such a delusional mind. And I really was a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde because right. I'm doing Jackass and then I'm doing these appearances at nightclubs and they'd say, all right, Mr. Novak, what would you like on your rider in your green room? And I'd say, I need some heroin, some cocaine, some Xanax and some wine. They would give me those substances. I would take pictures. I would sign autographs. And at the end of the night, I would get a check for $10,000. Now it's literally my job to get high mm -hmm. but then i keep going to these meetings you people tell me my life's unmanageable i believe my life is unmanageable but my bank account seems pretty fucking manageable mm -hmm. but what happens is like knowing what i know now that i didn't know then is i was trying to fill this internal void with the external solution yes. so as long as the woman was pretty enough the home was big enough the account was high enough and the car was new enough and you told me those things that had to validate to me that i was doing well um and, and and really, that just wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. And but my process took what it took until it took. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there was a, a lot of times where it should have took where I really wanted to get clean. I really did. But my disease is so powerful that that I was I, I would I was willing to do what it took in the beginning, and then I would get a shower. I would get a few meals under me. I, I could write a cognitive letter that made sense, and I could send it home to my people. And they say we love you, we believe in you. I equate that to ten more dollars, and then it's wash, rinse, repeat. Man, I remember that feeling so well. I remember waking up, saying to myself, "I'm gonna I'm gonna get through the whole day." I'm just going to try to get one day and feeling like pretty strong about it. And then usually around like 11, I think it's, I think it's different. I, I think addiction is addiction. I think there's something <clears throat> particularly difficult about opiate addiction just because of like the withdrawal that, that comes into it. Um, I, I think similarly with alcohol, you know, alcohol is really like the, in many ways, the most destructive one that has the most, uh, ease and accessibility to get yeah but uh w what i'm trying to say is i just you were bringing me down that memory and i could just picture so vividly i the last time i had clean i was living in northeast philly i was living right off of cotman avenue cotman and shelton mm -hmm. and uh and it was just in that room where i just decided like i can't do this anymore and that moment and what it meant to me was such like a, a catalyst in my life that put me on like this new trajectory and truth be told i haven't really revisited that moment in my mind up until talking to you because i can see you when you talk about it like it's still very very clear in your yeah head. i think it's so important to keep that in the forefront of your mind and it seems to me like you really really have it there like i'm big on that i'm yeah. big on that because i've seen me personally my experience dictates as sure as the day is long when I forget where I come from, mm. I do return, right? Uh, because then, going back to the whole spirituality concept we were talking about a little while ago, when I start achieving these things, these accolades of, of life and, and hard work and, and successes, all of a sudden I'll believe that I'm responsible for this mm. and, and I'm the almighty and, and I'm so powerful that I can do this and my brain, my delusional alcoholic brain will minimize the use that my disease takes me down or, or the places that it takes me down and I'll say that it'll be a little different because mm -hmm. see, I have selective memory when it comes in, when it plays in favor of my alcoholism, you know, meaning that I can tell you about seven years back, Halloween night, going to Ram's Head Pub in Westchester and having two glasses of wine and being home in bed by 9 p.m. I could tell you what bar stool I sat on. 
I can tell you the barkeep's name. I can tell you the music that was playing in the jukebox. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I promised my then fiance, now ex, that I was going to do it and be home in bed by nine. And I did it. I can fucking recall that like I'm touching this cup right now. Mm -hmm. But my brain will allow me to blog out being medevac to four different hospitals in four different states from four different overdoses. Uh -huh. It'll allow me to blog out sleeping in an abandoned house on Christmas Eve and I'm freezing. All I have on is a white t-shirt and I got to pull it over my knees and pull my hands in my shirt and my head in my shirt because that's the only heat I can produce. Mm -hmm. My brain will allow me to block that out because that does not play in favor of my disease. Yeah. My thing is serious, man. You've talked about uh your concept of spirituality a lot do mm -hmm. you mind sharing like what it is that you actually believe in i think that's something that a lot of people really struggle with yeah and i yeah. think specifics like help yeah you know i, I wish i could say i have a specific i, I believe mine's called god mm -hmm. um I, and, and what i do know is that it's a power much greater than me much greater than anything in it and anybody that thinks they 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 I, my opinion personally and this is my opinion so it doesn't mean shit but anyone that is arrogant enough to think that they understand what god's will is is so underselling themselves I like dude i, really I what I, the that. closest that i've came up to understanding what my higher power my god's will is is to treat his children my brothers and sisters mm -hmm. the way that we should be treated that's the closest i can even grasp mm -hmm. and i don't even know if i'm even touching it barely no i i think that that's like a, a healthy mind frame to have because when you're trying to define it i think you're like limiting yeah what the possibility putting caps are. on it man and especially because like my my little pea brain like what could i possibly understand about yeah. something like so so, Dude, it's insane. Yeah. It's it's, and that's just my opinion. That's how I look at it. Um, but I always say, like, I didn't choose to come here today. I didn't. Yes, I put the actions behind getting here. But but I, you know, a power greater than myself saw fit for our stars to align and mm -hmm. our paths to cross and us be right here, right now. Meaning that something major is happening, but I have no clue what it is. Yeah, and you don't have to understand. No, that. I don't. And as long as I stay out of the way of it, yeah. I'll be all right. That was a real big relief for me to actually be able to sit back in a chair and be like, you know what? I don't have to get all of this because I'm always like really trying to figure all that out. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, why is this happening? What's the point? What's the purpose? Yeah. And I live like a much uh, simpler life with like a lot less anxiety once you just sort of are able to roll with things and, and let it happen. That's why I could never like successfully complete treatment or, or, or meetings for that matter because I was too smart for my own good. And I would go in and I would outthink myself out of that seat. Yeah, you're a pretty intelligent guy too. I can tell even just sitting across from you, like you're, you're super articulate. Thanks, you man. You can tell that there's just a lot moving up there. Yeah. You know, so what I realize now is like I debated for a lot of years and I shot heroin for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. So like if this microphone keeps you sober, have at it. This is not a one size fits all. If that were the case, I would have got sober at my first treatment center at 17. Mm -hmm. Didn't get it till my 13th at 35. Who's to call what's right or wrong? I'm totally with you. <laughs> you know? Being a part of uh being a part of Sober Nation and like seeing all of these different stories and all these ways that it's all happened has really opened my eyes to that. Because when I first came in, like you're just doing what other people tell you to do. And yeah. so you sort of just have this idea like this is what works, I'm gonna stick to it. But you know, I'm I'm a pretty open minded person and over the last couple of years, especially like I've seen all different types of ways that people kind of have that aha moment mm -hmm. and, and sort of kick the habit. I, I think for me, when it comes to the spirituality, something that, that really, really helped me was um, just like the concept of energy, you know, like how, how you talk about like yeah. 
even because I, I'm like a science thinker kind of guy, uh-huh. and even when you get down to that level, like everything in the universe can be broken down into either matter or energy, and even those things are like interchangeable. Uh-huh. So at some point, like it all just action reaction, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. I say, <laughs> thank God, God's God, and I'm not God because I would fuck it up. You yeah. know. And, and when my mother went to the to the church across the street, and she told father mike father mike said miss pat how how's brandon doing she said he's never been worse there's nothing i can do to help him so i went to god with a prayer father mike said oh yeah miss pat what's that prayer she said father mike it's real simple the prayer consists of god please cure him kill him or kill me and father mike looked at my mother and for the first time in his life he screamed at her he said how dare you go Mm -hmm. to god with something like that for your son because here's the deal. God has a plan for your son. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. And Brandon doesn't know what it is. And thank God I didn't know what it was because I would have fucked it so up royally. Short, right? yeah. I would have made it left when I should have made it right. I would have went above it when I should have went through it. You know what I mean? I just got out of my own way. Mm-hmm. Because what I've understood is that my very best thinking has got me to walk into my 13th treatment center at 35 years old. What's? But now my, 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 my defects have become my biggest assets. How so? Because my mentality will create the reality for which I live in. Uh-huh. And when I got the treatment, they said, change your perception, change your world. Okay. And that's it. So How am I viewing things? What's my take on the matter? Uh-huh. It's kind of fucking simple for me. Yeah, I think, I think the notion that perception is reality is like a really really powerful thing because there's a million different ways to look at something Mm -hmm. and like i think that you can choose or pull power from something to have like a positive outlook on anything which can you know change the course of your day your Mm -hmm. life or whatever i i'm curious because this was something that i can relate to a lot what what are things like now with you and your family dude never ever ever better you know, I had a sister. It feels good, right? Huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to Poland with my mother. I'm taking her to Poland. Um, Are you Polish? Polish and Irish, yeah. Cool. Um, December 4th through the 14th. Her birthday is the 13th. Mine's the 10th. So I'm going with her and the, the Polish home. All like the, um, the, the, uh, the, the retired elderly people. Mm-hmm. You know, with the 25... Little old ladies. I'm going to <laughs> no Poland way. with. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know? so cool. And uh, I bought her. I'm taking bringing her down here to see Rod Stewart. She loves Rod Stewart. I yeah. bought her her front row tickets. He can still really sing. Yeah, he's killing it, it's man. Crazy. The coolest thing. So I took her on a cruise not too long ago, right? Because for 76 years, my mother had has done everything in this world to try to help her son. You name it, she's done it. Um, and like now that I finally. God willing, grasp this thing for today. How dare I be like, all right, mom, thanks, but I'll see you when you see. You. That yes. does doesn't mean I'm not. That's not me. Um, so I take her on this cruise. She really wants to go on a cruise. Um, I'm not a cruise guy. I'm not a fan of it. I don't like to be I'm a prisoner or captive yeah, of anything. So well, this cruise and I, I'm just whatever. So there's this art show and and there's this, this painting that comes up. And I don't know why I've never thought to ask in her time of living what her favorite animal is. And it's this painting of two giraffes. She said, Brandon, that's my favorite animal. Giraffe? Yeah. So it's a giraffe and these two giraffes in a painting. And I buy this painting without her knowing. And this is about nine months. This is maybe yeah, about nine, ten months ago. Mm-hmm. And, and we're in international waters, so they have to ship it back. I can't carry it home. And 
three or four months go by after I've bought this thing. I can't tell her to look out for it because then she'll know I ruined the surprise. Mm -hmm. And literally Christmas Eve at 1030 at night, she gets a knock on the door and it's that. Wow. The, the, and that like those are the things that, that, that I, I didn't work hard for my seat. Right. Uh, I'll tell you who worked hard for my seat in recovery. My mother, mm -hmm. my, my loved ones my employers, my friends, society, they worked hard. Mm -hmm. They got me the seat here. If justice was due, I'd be dead years ago. You know? So like, that's my favorite thing of, of, of recovery or sobriety, seeing those, those relationships mended. That's because now for once I'm a son to my mother. I'm a brother to my brother, a brother to my sister an uncle to my nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. And I show up and I don't ask for a fucking thing. Fully self-sufficient. Showing up is, way more important than i think <laughs> sometimes i think that's really all it takes yeah. just be where you say you're going to be yeah you say you're going to be there and you can get in terms of just building relationships and even if you want to go as far as like you know your your career or whatever showing up can get you really really far yeah what um what are you up to now what's what's going on in brandon's life <coughs> um See, this morning I was, uh, well, I, I'm here in Florida. I spoke at the Sud Talks Saturday. I did that. And then today I, I, uh, I did NBC Channel 6 News in Miami um, promoting my, my book that came out a few months ago. I work with Banyan Treatment Center. Um, you know, uh, my title is I'm a national business developer. I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> What I think, I, what I do, I don't know what I think, but what I do is I help whoever, however, whenever, you know. Um, you know, because here's the reality. 99% of the people that call me, they say, Novak, if you can get clean, there's no reason why I can't. Can you help me? Sure. Um, so if I can use who I was prior to sobriety, in sobriety, to get through to the people that can't see past that bag, bottle, or pill because they built the wall up so deep, high, mm -hmm. and thick – that I know about because I've seen me do for years. If I can get through that and, and, and allow them to become open and receptive to me, then by all means, um, my defects have became my assets. There you go. Yeah. It's really cool to see things happen in, in this way when people just get out of their own way That's to see it. like how quickly life can turn around. Um, Hey, look, man, I, you're a fascinating guy. I, I could have this conversation with you for a long time. I, I know that you probably got a lot of places to go. I really, really appreciate you coming in here. Thank uh, you before we me. sign off, where where can they find your book? What, what's a place that people can follow you? Uh, you can find my book uh, anywhere they sell books. You can follow me on Brandon double underscore Novak is Instagram, and I don't know what the rest of them are, but – I don't I'm just out there. You'll find me. If it's meant for you to find me, you'll find me. Or if you're trying to get away up and out of this situation that you found yourself in and you don't believe it's possible, my phone number is 610-635-9092. You can call me personally and I'll walk you through this process. Wow. Because here's the deal, man. The disease of addiction is not a death sentence and your history does not have to dictate your future. And as long as you're breathing, it's never too late. I mean that with everything that I love. It's the worst to live by, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming in here. Seriously, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I got a lot of speaking to you. I appreciate your time. Yeah, I enjoyed this, man. Yeah, You're a good interviewer.
Thank you. I'm just making this up as I go along. That's the best way. <laughs> it is. Fuck All scripts. Right. Uh, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the show and the podcast. Uh, please give me a like, a subscribe. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. I appreciate you guys. If you need me, it's Tim, T-I-M, at SoberNation.com. Once again, help me thank Brandon. Thanks, my friend. Yeah, likewise, man. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Cool. Hey guys, it's me, it's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.